Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you to walk out your God-given vision. Now here's today's message. And to uh, John Maxwell, he was talking about attitude, and he used this example, and I thought, I've got to use this this morning. So this is for all of you who need help with your attitudes, okay? Like I said, don't raise your hand, just keep your face straight forward, that way nobody will know. <laughs> it's for you. So this is excerpts of a diary of a dog. So listen to this. 8 a.m., dog food, my favorite thing. 9.30 a.m., a car ride, my favorite thing. 9.40 a.m., a walk in the park, my favorite thing. 10.30 a.m., rubbed and petted, my favorite thing. 12 p.m., lunch, my favorite thing. 1 p.m., play ball in the yard, my favorite thing. 2 p.m., wag the tail, my favorite thing. 5 p.m., milk bones, my favorite things. 7 p.m., play ball again, my favorite thing. 8 p.m., watch TV with people, my favorite thing. 11 p.m., sleep on the bed, my favorite thing. Now, this is excerpts from a cat's diary. You ready? Day 983 of my captivity. My captors continue to taunt me with bizarre little dangling objects. The only thing that keeps me going is my dream of escape. <laughs> so, two situations that are exactly the same, two different attitudes, right? Let's pray. God's fixing attitudes in here. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for your goodness. We pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive exactly what you have for us. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can be seated this morning. It's been an exciting morning already. We've had all kinds of things going on here on Sunday morning. So, would you open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. A few weeks ago, we began to talk about, what did we begin to talk about? Love. Love is. We began to go through some, th some different things and talk about that subject. And what's the most important thing that we've learned about love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8? The most important thing about love is that it never fails. It works every single time. Doesn't matter what the situation is, what the circumstance, if your response is in love, then guess what? Love will work. And so today, I want to focus on verse 4 and 5. I'm going to read it to you out of the Century English Version. Are you ready? Look at your neighbor. Say, are you ready? Love is never jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. Let's read that again. Love is never jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. One of the greatest levels of love that I've seen in people's lives is the ability to be happy and rejoice with other people. How many of you, people come and they've told, they tell you about good things that are going on in your life, in their life, the great thing that's happened? They were given a car. And what's your response? 
Well, the way you respond could be an indicator of the level of love that you're at. I had a friend of mine uh, that gave, he, he came to me and he said, hey, do you want to see the, you want to see the new pickup I just bought? I said, yeah. And he showed me a picture of this gorgeous looking Ford F-150. Man, it was black with the chrome wheels. It was gorgeous. I said, man, I didn't know you bought a truck. I said, when did you buy a truck? And he said, he said just, just a couple weeks ago, I ordered it. Uh, he has a friend that's a dealer. He said, somebody, a partner sent me, called me and said, hey, do you own a vehicle? And he said, no, I, I mean, I just always drive the company trucks. And he said, you don't personally own a vehicle? And he said, well, no, I mean, I just share with the other people. And he said, you need a truck. He said, listen, I'm sending you a check. Go buy a truck. He sent him $38,000. Sent him a check. Now, I'm rejoicing. Because why? Because, man, I'm next in line. Glory to God. If God will do it for them, he'll do it for me. But my attitude toward it makes a difference doesn't it? If I have difficulty being happy for other people, for the blessing that's on their life, for what God has done for them, how can I expect God then in turn to bless my life? Hmm. It's going to get real in here this morning probably, in a little bit. Look at Romans chapter 12 verse 15. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Now, I want, I want you to hear what Bette Midler, she's an actress, said. She said, the most, the worst part, and I Okay, I'm not endorsing Bette Midler, but listen to what she said. She said, the worst part of success is trying to find someone who's happy for you. Isn't that sad? To be successful and people not be able to be happy for you. Hmm. So with that said, today what I felt to do is I want to talk to you about four obstacles, according to this verse, four obstacles to being happy for other people. Four obstacles. Are you guys ready? All right, number one, according to, we just read in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, love is never, what? Jealous. That very first one was jealous. So that's the number one obstacle that people have to overcome. I heard it said, love may be blind, but jealousy is 20-20. Can see it well, can't they? Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30 says this. It says, a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh. But envy causes the bones to rot. Wow. Jealousy and envy can take a toll on your physical body. Have you ever, you know, you talk, you talk with doctors and somebody's having maybe a condition uh, physically and the doctor will say, hey, what's, tell me about your life. Tell me about what's going on. Tell me about your job. Tell me about your partner, your business associates. What's happening? Why is he asking that question? Because he wants to find out what's the level of stress on your life. Because stress takes a toll on the physical body. Well, we just read the scripture that says that envy can take a toll on your physical body. It can affect your, bone, your bones. And I don't know about you, but we need strong bones in this house, don't we? Everybody needs to have strong bones. So, I remember years ago, my... Uh, my wife, Nicole, asked me to go and visit somebody at the church, and she asked me to drop something off at their house. So I went to the church, and I took this item to drop it off, and I knocked on the door. The husband came to the door, and, uh, and so we had 
we had a little bit of conversation, just talked about things that were going on at the church and in his life. And, and then I handed him the thing that I was supposed to drop off. And as I was about to leave, he pointed across the street at his neighbors. And he said, look at my neighbor over there. I looked, at, I looked at the house, and I didn't see anything uncommon about the house. And he said, do you see how many cars he has over there? And there was like four or five cars parked in the parking lot, and I didn't think anything of it. And he said, he said I know what that guy does for, the living. I don't, uh, for a living. I don't know how he makes enough money to own all those vehicles. And I just looked at him, and, and at the time, I didn't think about it a whole lot other than, that's not very nice to say about your neighbor. I mean, you know, who cares if he has 13 cars sitting over there? I, you know, but, but there was an envy in his heart toward his neighbor because his neighbor had nice stuff. He had nice cars sitting out in the garage. It was a wrong attitude to have. And see, when you're unable to be happy for other people, it doesn't affect that other person. You know who it affects? It affects you. It affects your heart. And it will prevent you from going to another level when you're not able to be happy for people and be excited about the blessing that's taken part in their life. So, you know, we've got to pass the happy test. So what we're going to do to be able to pass the happy test, everybody ready? We're going to take a jealousy test. Who wants to take a jealousy test? Okay, yeah, nobody wants to take a jealousy test. And that's good. I wouldn't either if I was in your shoes. But here's what I'm going to do. We're not going to take a jealousy test. We're not going to do like a participation because we don't want anybody to know where anybody's at on the jealousy scale. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask some questions and that will help kind of identify or see if you have symptoms of jealousy in your life. Does that sound fair? That way nobody knows. Okay. Jealousy. All right, here we go. First one. Are you able to be genuinely happy for people? Or is it something you have to put on? This could be a, this could be a symptom. Okay, this doesn't mean you have a jealousy problem. Okay, this just means it identifies something that, hey, God, I can work on this. Do you look for ways to let the helium out of their balloon when somebody tells you about something great that's happened in their life? Psst. You just want to, don't want to pop the balloon, just want to let some helium out. So you could talk funny. Do you discredit or devalue the good things that have happened to that person? Here's a good one. Let's say somebody's given a car. Somebody was blessed with a vehicle, but it's a used vehicle. So it's got some miles on it. It's got some, it's pre-loved. I like what, I like what Hyundai says at their car lot. We have pre-loved inventory. <laughs> I went, that's a good way to put that, you know? So, but you, you look at it and you go, well, I mean, it's, a, it's an 05. It's got over 100,000 miles on it. Yeah, it's a free car. It was a blessing to them. Do you have difficulty with that? Do you attribute the good things that happen in people's lives to their status, position, or education? Oh, if I had grown up like they would, I'd be able to have the same thing in my life. Yeah, well, sure. If I had their talent, their looks, their ability, psh, yeah, I could... I could have the same things. Do you resent it when people around you are able to afford nicer things than you are? Does it seem like others achieve their goals without any effort? It just seems to come to them naturally. They don't have to work for it. Is that the case or is it they have a great attitude? 
walking through trials and tribulations. Here's what James, James chapter 6, James chapter 3, verse 16 said. For where jealousy and envy and ambition exist, there will be disorder in every evil practice. Jealousy is, is like a poison. I heard that rat poison is, it's, the, the percentage of poison in rat poison is very small. It's mostly food because they want the rat to eat the food so that the poison can get in. Because if they make it 100% poison, the rat won't eat it. So they have to put something in there. So let me ask you, if there was, if you, somebody baked for you a tray of brownies, and I mean, I'm talking the good kind of brownies, the smell up the whole house, brownies, but there's just a little bit of poison in it. Would you eat the brownie if you knew? No, no. So don't eat the jealousy temptation that comes, the temptation to be jealous. Don't participate in that. Here's what can happen. You remember in Genesis chapter 4? Remember a guy by the name of Cain? You remember Cain, his brother Abel, he brought a sacrifice to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel uh, brought a sacrifice and presented it to the Lord. God received Abel's sacrifice, but he didn't receive Cain's sacrifice. And then it says that Cain's attitude, well, we're dealing with attitude a lot more than what I thought we were going to this morning, but his attitude turned and his countenance fell. And listen to what God said to him in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. He said, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Listen to what God says. And what happened was Cain's jealousy escalated and produced murder. It grew up. It reaped a harvest in his life. So we need to treat jealousy like we treat poison. I'm not going to eat the brownies. Now you fix me a tray that doesn't have any poison in it, I'm all in, right? How many? All in. Okay. Number two. Conceit. Number two, that he said boasting. I'm going to use the word conceit because it's difficult to be happy for others when you're making yourself look good all the time. When all of the attention is put here, it's hard to be happy over here, right? Because you're concerned about this person. Your, your concern is this way. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 says this in the Century English Version. It says, The Lord says, Don't brag about your wisdom or strength or wealth. If you feel you must brag, then have enough sense to brag about worshiping me, the Lord. So you can brag. This didn't say you can't brag. That's good news. Some people like to brag. But he's saying, hey, brag about me. What did I do during the offering? I bragged about what God has been doing here at the church. How he has been bringing in finances to be able to pay cash for everything. Man, let's boast in God. Let's boast in God. Boast in the three people that gave their lives to the Lord on our launch. Glory to God. Those are the kind of things that we want to boast about. So we're going to do another, this isn't a quiz, okay? This isn't a test. I'm just going to give you symptoms of conceit. Symptoms of conceit or of boasting. Uh, you have a high opinion of yourself. Uh, do you embellish the facts to make things, make things seem bigger than what they really were? Do you feel, tell the fish stories? everybody likes a good fish story right 
I have an alligator story. I may tell you that one sometime. Uh, Making others look bad in order to make yourself look good. Or your circumstances are always worse or better than what other people's are. You know, you can brag about the terrible things that are happening to you. I watch it all the time when people tell me about, you know, a problem that they're having with their foot. And it'll be in a group. I, I can't tell you, there's so many times this has happened, and I've been like, guys. Um, but I was sitting in a circle of a group of men, and one guy began to talk about a problem, physical problem that he had. I'm just going to use the foot as an example because I don't remember what the situation was. But, you know, he had a problem with his foot, you know. And, and so then the guy across the table, what does he do? He goes, oh, yeah, I had one of those problems too one time, but his is worse. And then the third guy chimes in, and now his... His fish is bigger. You guys know what I mean by that? Okay. Just making sure everybody knew what I meant. Listen to what Johnny Unitas said. He said this, There is a difference between conceit and confidence. Because sometimes people confuse conceit with confidence. Conceit is bragging about yourself. Confidence means you believe that you can get the job done. Well, let me tell you, there's something even more important than confidence. And you know what that is? It's Godfidence. We can use some God for this, man. Proverbs 27, verse 2 says this. It says, Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Let me tell you something. <clears throat> if you're doing something worthwhile, people are going to toot your horn. If you're doing something that is making a difference, people are going to talk about it. Amen? Listen, listen to this story. I found this and I just thought, wow, this fits so well. <clears throat> How many of you remember a guy by the name of Lenny Skutnik? Lenny Skutnik, a guy back in the 80s. And he, uh, he became a hero one day. He was a staffer uh, for the con- Congressional Budget Office there in Washington. And having an ordinary winter day, they, uh, there was an airplane, Air Florida Flight 90, crashed into the 19th Street Bridge into the Potomac River. And it was icy, so, I mean, those that survived the crash, they were in peril because the plane was sinking into icy water. And so a helicopter came, and it flew over, and it tried to help, you know, it dropped a line to a woman, and she just didn't have the strength to be able to grab the line. And when Lenny saw that, he jumped in the water, swam out to where she was, and he grabbed her and, and, and took her to the shore, brought her to safety, saved her life. And so Ronald Reagan asked him to come to the State of the Union address. And then he talked about Lenny. And he talked about his, heroic, his heroism when he was just a, a government employee. But he did the right thing. He was selfless instead of full of self. And he saw that she was in danger and went out, swam out there and got her. Man, that's what people do who are not full of conceit, right? Listen to this statement. Work for a cause, not for applause. Live life to express, not to impress. Don't strive to make your presence noticed. Just make your absence felt. Don't you love that? You know, and on top of that, here's what you should be. None of us should be news reporters. Or let me say it this way. You can either be a news reporter or you can be a newsmaker. It's up to you. Which would you rather be? I believe this room is full of newsmakers. Amen?
Amen. So number three, pride. Now I may do, I may do a whole other message on that topic because it's so big. But let's cover some pride here. James chapter 4 verse 6 says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to who? The humble. The ones that are not proud. So let's talk, what are some symptoms of pride? Let me just kind of go through a few. One is looking down on others who are less successful than you. Seeing yourself as more spiritually mature than others in your church or small group. (laughs) Kind of hitting close to home, aren't we? I've seen I've seen this happen. Sometimes you know sometimes we think somehow maturity is synonymous with age. Sometimes age comes all by itself. No maturity comes with it. You know, and it's sad. When you see a maturity level of a 45-year-old is equivalent to a 22-year-old. You know, when you see that. So that means not everybody matures, right? Not everybody grows. We had a meeting this morning uh, with our team, and we talked about the importance of being able to connect with people where they're at, loving them where they're at. Not everybody is at the level you are. But let me tell you what people appreciate. You getting on their level. I mean, if a person's up here and they, ha- they can't come down here to help somebody come up because our job is to come low so that we can help pull up, right? As Christians, because we help people, amen? That, that was a good opportunity for an amen right there. Amen. And that was. So be, being judgmental toward others who don't have the same convictions as yours. You're convicted in your heart about something, you know, you may be a kind of person, you've got a workout regimen that you do every morning, and that's your routine, and because you do it so well, you think everybody else should be doing your workout exercise routine, or you eat a certain way, and so you try to put that conviction that's in your heart on everybody else, and not everybody has that same conviction, do they? Uh Uh-uh. No, I'm, man, I'm eating fried food, I'm eating what I want. I'm enjoying life. I'm going to have my cake and eat it too. Okay, well, that's your prerogative. That's your choice. So God didn't call us here to put our choices on other people, right? Being judgmental toward others. Okay, don't do that. Frequently connecting or, critis- or sorry, correcting or criticizing those who are in leadership positions. Whoa. I'll leave that one right there just for effect. Everybody get that one? Okay. Uh, The way we see others is important because we see others in the light of how we see ourselves. Isn't that true? So pride can cause you to misread situations. I I heard about this uh, commanding uh, officer. He was was a captain of a ship. And he saw some lights way off in the distance in the dark. And so he he had his signalman send a radio signal to him and say, Hey, you change your course 10 degrees to the south. Well, the reply came back, change your course 10 degrees to the north. And so the captain got very angry, and he, re- he replied to that response, and he said, no, you change your course 10 degrees to the south. I'm a captain of a ship. And he, the response was, 
you change your course 10 degrees to the north. I'm a third classman. My name is Jones. So the captain sent one last message and he said, he said, you, sent, you change your course 10 degrees to the, to the, am I south or north? South. Because I'm a battleship. And he said, and the reply was, you change your course 10 degrees to the south. I'm a lighthouse. I'm trying to, trying to help you. Trying to help you. Let me say this. When we stay, when we stay low, it's, it's hard to fall when you're low already. You don't have very far to go, do you? Listen to this. John Bunyan wrote this. He said, He that is down needs fear no fall. He that is low, no pride. He that is humble ever shall have God to be his guide. God draws close to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. But what does he do to the proud? He resists them. So you're not going to get help that you need when you're walking in pride. Wow. Sometimes I've seen people do this, that if you accuse someone of something, you're guilty of the same. Sometimes pride is judgmental toward other people. Listen to what this verse says in Romans chapter 2, verse 1. It says, some of you accuse others of doing wrong, but there's no excuse for what you do. When you judge others, you condemn yourselves because you are guilty of doing the same things. Wow. And number three, in the Bible, uh, in the verse that we read, it talks about being rude. Love is not rude. Well, I came across another word that means the same thing, and I thought it was interesting, and the Lord just drew me in this, uh, in that direction, and the word was sarcasm. Sarcasm. Have you ever been around some people that kind of have a sarcastic, <laughs> again, just face straight ahead, and so nobody knows. Sarcasm puts you in a place where you're, you're like, what do they mean? What do they mean by that? And to where you're double guessing. So let's talk a little bit about this. Here's the thing about sarcasm that's interesting. It's very dangerous to your faith. Sarcasm is very dangerous to your faith because it's counterproductive. Listen to what it is. When sarcasm, when you are sarcastic, you're saying words that you don't believe. I need to make a statement. I read this quote and it was so powerful. The subconscious doesn't distinguish sarcasm and jokes. It accepts what it hears. That's the power of words. Your subconscious doesn't know the difference. It accepts it even if you don't mean it. So many people want to de-emphasize words, and it's a trap of the enemy. The Bible says to let your yes be yes and your no, no. It means to be decisive. It means to be factual. When you say one thing and you mean something else, you're, you're putting your faith in a position where you can't believe yourself. So then when you try to say faith words and you try to speak out what, what it is you want to see in your life, your spirit, your conscious doesn't believe it. Wow, digest that. And that's a lot to digest, isn't it? 2 Corinthians 4.13 says this, and since you have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. So you need to speak the things that you believe. If you believe it in your heart, that's what you need to say 
out of your mouth. We also believe, therefore, we speak. And again, the danger is, is that your faith won't work because your spirit needs to link with what you believe. Wow. So let's talk a little bit about some symptoms of sarcasm. I knew this one would be a bigger one. <laughs> symptoms of sarcasm. You often have to tell people, I was just joking. That could be a symptom. Proverbs 26, 18 and 19 says, Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and then says, I was just kidding. I was just joking. People who are happy and positive all the time annoy you. That's another symptom. Sarcasm. Uh, you're constantly rolling your eyes. If you find yourself rolling your eyes. Uh, you seem to always have the thought, why are people so dumb? Okay, I just said it was a thought. But <clears throat> people never seem to know when you're serious. That's a challenge. If people don't know when you're serious. You know, it's like the little boy that cried woof. Wolf. 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 So, but listen to this. Well, here, okay, let me wrap up this, and then I'll go to my, my last scripture. I'm closing, by the way. Um, sarcasm is a means. What it really is is a means to be able to judge other people, be judgmental toward other people. You're doing it in a very humorous way, you know. But this is, this is really dangerous soil to tread out on because it can be damaging not only to your faith, but it can be damaging to people around you. You know, and when a person that's sarcastic a lot, they, they tend to be easily, more easily offended, I've noticed. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. So let me ask you this. Are there some obstacles that are keeping you from being happy for other people? Did one of these speak to your heart? Jealousy or conceit or pride or maybe sarcasm? What kinds of seeds are you sowing out there? Are you sowing doubt, unbelief? Are you sowing sarcasm? Sometimes people wonder why they're receiving that in return. You remember in Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then in verse 31, he said, but love your neighbor as yourself. Love is honest with people. Love is compassionate. It cares about people. Love speaks the truth in love. And see, our purpose at Vision Church is we want people to know and to understand God's vision for their life. And Jesus has a vision for your life. He wants the best for you. But he expects us to take his word and to put it to work and to put these things to work in our own life. Let me tell you, when I was a teenager, when I was a young guy, I was sarcastic. I was major sarcastic. I used to roll my eyes all the time. I, I was telling Nicole, when I was preparing this message, I said, this thing is beating me up. You know, not that I don't practice those things now like I used to, but it was just reminding me of all these things, all these places that I used to be like that. I used to be judgmental of people. I used to roll my eyes at every comment. I used to poke fun at different things. I couldn't be happy for people, you know. And thank God he's redeemed me. Thank God he forgave me. And thank God he taught me how to begin to be happy for people, you know. But if you're not, if you're there this morning and you have an inability or you're challenged in being happy for other people, it doesn't stop 
the other person, it stops you. You're not able to go any higher. And what I, what I want to see is our entire church being able to go higher and higher and higher and higher in God. So I want to pray for you this morning. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes all around the room? Thank you, Lord. You know, all of us, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have come to a place in our heart and in our life where we needed a Savior. This is why Jesus died on the cross, was so that he could save us. And our salvation is found in him. And so that's why, you know, that's why he came, that's why he died. So if you're here this morning and you say, maybe you've been away from God, maybe you haven't made Jesus Lord of your life. Because everything, all of this starts with you simply making him Lord of your life. Or maybe you've been away from God and you recognize, I need a Savior in my life. And if that's you, I want to pray for you this morning. Would you put your hand up in the air if you say, that's me. I want to either come back to God or I, I want to come to God for the first time. Make Him Lord of your life. I see it. I see that hand. And more importantly, God does. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. And let's, let's pray together. Let's commit our lives back to God and make Him the center of our focus. Let's all pray together. I want everybody to pray out loud after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. I thank you, God, that you've forgiven me of every sin that I've committed. Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you, and I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. And Father, right now, I pray also over our congregation, Lord, that every person, Lord, would walk at a greater level of love, that you would help us go to the next level. God, that we've, maybe we've been sarcastic, or we've had pride, or we've been conceited, or, or we've been jealous of other people, but Lord, today, we decide to lay it all down and to walk in love, because love never fails, God. We thank you for forgiving us. And Lord, we ask you to create in us a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within us. Help us to walk forward in you. We thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus and every person said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Vision Church, vision for life.